Good morning, Landmark family. Jeremy told me to leave my phone unmuted, and I, my mic, and I didn't listen. A uh, couple of things as we get started this morning. I need to clarify a couple of things. First of all, even though it's labeled as such, that's not a picture of me. Um, <laughs> secondly, we need to begin by celebrating something this morning. We need to celebrate a victory and a brand new, at least to us, family member in the Landmark Church. Exactly one year ago today, Eric and Stacy Glass sat on a stage over in the Life Center as part of a panel about adoption and orphan care. And at the time, they were waiting on the arrival of their daughter from India. Now, in the 12 months that followed, nothing went as quickly or as easily as anybody hoped or anticipated. But the entire Glass family was in the assembly last week for the very first time, exactly 52 Sundays from the previous Orphan Agape Sunday. Now, God obviously has a lot more going on than just landmark schedule. But Deepa came home to her family with one week to spare in order for us to celebrate today the arrival of Deepa. And so this morning, family, we need to celebrate and praise God for Eric, Stacy, Matthew, Daniel, Simon, and Deepa Glass. Let's praise God. I promised Stacy that I wouldn't make them stand up, so I just had everybody else do it. <laughs> I want you to know how honored I am to be able to speak with you this morning as family. Today, I'm not standing in front of you as your missions minister or, or a guy who dabbles in adult education or any of the other hats that I might wear. I am in front of you as a man whose life has been doubly blessed by adoption. First of all, my own into the family, and secondly, that of my son into my family. Now, this morning, we're going to try to accomplish two things. First, we're going to lay a foundation for how God feels about orphan care and about adoption. And then after that, we're going to show how orphan care is spiritual warfare, how it's one of the very best ways that the people of God push back against the schemes of the evil one and to take a stand, the kind of stand that God really cares about. So in other words, we've got a lot we're trying to get done this morning, and there is no way we're going to get it all done on time if we don't stop and pray about it first. So let's pray. Our Father, we invite you into this time. Lord, we pray that you would take the following moments just as you have the preceding ones and that you would honor yourself in the message that you care about orphans, that you care about children in distress, and that you want your family to be a part of the spiritual warfare that is caring for orphans. So open up our eyes and our ears to listen to your word today so that we can come away convicted that there are probably some ways we all need to become a little bit more Christ-like. Pray these things in Jesus. Amen. All right, so our first step this morning, we're going to need to consider both the vertical and the horizontal natures of Christianity. That is, these two different directions of interaction between God and us in the vertical and between us and everybody else in the world in the horizontal. So much of what we are called to do as Christians to and with each other and with the world that surrounds us is a reflection of what God has already done for us. In its simplest forms, we can answer these questions. Why do we love? Because he first loved us. Why do we forgive? Or how do we forgive? Well, we forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. How do we welcome people into the family? Well, we welcome them as Christ has welcomed us. What we do in the horizontal ought to reflect what has already been done and is being done daily in the vertical. And so the question then is, what does this have to do 
with orphan care. I'm going to try to show you that. We're going to sit on several different passages this morning, but I've come to the conclusion that it is impossible to sit while this particular one is read. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word. This comes out of the first chapter of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Pay attention to that. He chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us, he destined all of us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he has freely bestowed on us in the beloved. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You can have a seat. Something became clear to me in my reading for this week. Adoption is God's idea. Before we were created, God created adoption. That's something that the guy who wrote Ephesians just told us. He said that before the foundation of the world, God had made plans to adopt us. In other words, we didn't create adoption as a way to fix something that we broke in the fall. God imagined it. God envisioned it. God created it before he created us. And so as we return to our earlier language that we were using, vertical adoption predates horizontal adoption, which means that our horizontal adoptions, the adoptions that we bring about here on this earth and the other ways that we care for vulnerable children ought to reflect how God has already adopted us. I'm I'm beginning to realize what an important concept this is. Our adoptions as children of the king, they're a part of the now, they were a part of the before time began, and they're actually going to be there at the very end as well. Um, you might as well put a thumb in Romans 8. We're going to flip over there right now. Uh, Steve's already referenced it. We're going to keep coming back to it. There's so much in Romans 8 for us today. But right now I want to read verse 23 out of Romans 8. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's us. We've got the first fruits of the Spirit, which implies what? There's more fruit coming. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly while we wait for adoption redemption of our bodies and then we're told a couple of verses later that it's something we have to wait for with patience adoption is something that has not only happened to all of us but it's something that will happen again this is the beautiful tension that we call the now and the not yet in christianity it's this idea that we are saved and we are still awaiting our salvation it's the idea that the kingdom has come and that jesus tells us to pray that the kingdom would come We're moving into a season of Advent where where we're proclaiming to the world through the things that we do in the month leading up to our celebration of Christmas that the Christ came and that the Christ is still coming. All of Christianity is pervaded by this idea of the now and the not yet, this tension. And any of us who have ever jumped into the field of orphan care, caring for vulnerable children, or really anybody who's hurting, you're aware that there's an awful lot of tension in that. There's, there, there's an awful lot of contradictions. There's these paradoxes that we have to deal with. There's a guy named Jason Johnson who's doing some really great writing right now about, about orphan care and about stepping into that gap. And he, and he really just highlighted for us that tension that we feel of the now and the not yet when we jump into orphan care. He wrote, Orphan care is the feeling like this is hard and we can't do it, while also believing this is hard, which is exactly why we have to do it. It's the awareness that we don't have what it takes to do this. Balanced out by the belief that God doesn't expect us 
to have all it takes to do this. And finally, echoing Buddy's call to servanthood that he, that he threw out for all of us last week, it's the aspiration to live a life of ease and comfort and calm, all confronted by the conviction that in the end, the people of God have no time for that kind of stuff. There is too much work to be done still. Now, the final stone in this foundation that we need for this morning is that we ought to be concerned about what breaks God's heart. A few weeks ago, Buddy mentioned that. He said that the things that make God sad and mad ought to be the things that make us sad and mad. Now, now James 1.27 is printed at the bottom of your outline. Um, it's, it's probably spoken about every single Orphan Agape Sunday. I don't know, Steve's the expert on that, but I would assume it gets referenced pretty regularly. And it tells us that the kind of religion, in other words, the stuff God wants you to do, is looking, that he's looking for is to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Now, have you ever stopped to wonder why those two groups? There's, there's a lot of other kinds of people that are in distress. Why, why do those get singled out as the kind of religion that God wants to see? I believe that we ought to be concerned about orphans and widows because it reflects God's heart for us. His story of redemption is all about visiting us in our need. When we were spiritual orphans without a father, he sent our brother, Jesus Christ, to earth to bring us into the family. And, and when we were together a bride without a bridegroom, he gave us the Christ to be our bridegroom. And so he has visited us when we were orphans and when we were, in a sense, widows in our distress. And so therefore, we do the same thing. What has already happened in the vertical ought to shape what we do in the horizontal. So having established this foundation about how we're supposed to understand adoption and orphan care in the light of how God's already adopted us, let's shift our thinking a little bit. We've established adoption is his idea. I also want to say to you that adoption is God's battle to win. Engaging in the care of orphans or vulnerable children is very much a part of God's battle plan for this world. It is spiritual warfare. Anytime that we reflect by our actions the heart of God and we reflect his light as we push into the darkness, we're engaging in warfare. And the simple fact that on the face of this earth there are children in need is a very clear indication there's a battle going on. And anytime there's a battle going on in the heavenly places, you need to understand that as a part of your role to be engaged in it. And so to that end, I have three truths I want to share with you about orphan care and spiritual warfare this morning. Number one, We have an enemy. This is a very real, very evil enemy. Now, when you stop and you think about your favorite stories, your favorite movies, your favorite books, they all have a really good bad guy. Think about Sauron in The Lord of the Rings. You can think about Darth Vader in Star Wars. You can think about the coyote in The Life of the Roadrunner. All of these really good bad guys reflect and and, and shape the good story. And so why does every good story have a good bad guy? I think it's because yours does. Our enemy is sneaky and powerful. He's beautiful when he wants to be and he's terrifying when he prefers that. And in the spiritual battle that is orphan care, there is an enemy. Now it's not who you might think it is at first glance. It's It's not the birth parents that feel unable to take care of their children. It's not broken systems that don't honor God or honor life. It's not even poverty. It's very clear in Scripture what our enemy is. At the end of Ephesians, it's spelled out for us. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but it's against the rulers, 
and the authorities and the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In the, the same enemy that you fight against every day in your battle to become more Christ-like is the very same one who stands against us caring for God's children. He is Satan the accuser. And this enemy hates us. But he doesn't hate us because he cares about us. He doesn't care about us at all, really. He hates us because he hates God. But he knows that God loves us. He knows he can't touch God. He knows he cannot defeat God, but he does stand a chance of hurting us. And he knows that would hurt our Father's heart. And that's why he hates us, and that's why he comes after us. That's why he prowls around like a lion, looking for someone to eat alive. That's why he comes for those few reasons, to steal, kill, and to destroy. And the truth is that on our own, apart from the power and the grace of Jesus Christ, we'll lose in our daily walk and in our efforts to care for the children that God loves so much. But praise God, there's more than one character in this story. Point number two, there's a hero. Our story, which has a really good bad guy, has an infinitely better hero. And it's not who you might think it is. The hero in the story of every adoption is not the adoptive family, although in my experience, they're pretty great people. It's not the birth parents that choose life rather than abortion. It's not the child that gets up one more time and and somehow manages to trust and love again, having been hurt so badly. It's not the heroic social workers that consider the work more calling than job or the underpaid and overworked child advocate who thunders against abuses set in place by an unjust system. The hero of every adoption is the same hero who shows up in every life story whenever he's called upon, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the one who empowers and accomplishes every single redemptive act, including orphan care. Now, I've got two quick passages to illustrate this. First of all, I told you not to leave Romans 8. Let's go back to Romans 8. We'll look at the first couple of verses here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Let's go ahead and flip over to verse 15 as well. Steve's already read this for us, but we need to hear it again. For you... You, Landmark family, did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption. And every time that we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, that we suffer with him so that we might also be glorified with him. Paul, the one who wrote this letter to the Romans, makes it clear that Jesus is the hero of this story. Our story has a good ending because our hero came. Every horizontal adoption story that happens on this earth ought to reflect that vertical adoption that God is waiting to accomplish in each of our lives. Because God sent Jesus to accomplish his mission, our adoption, then we now get to see children brought into families, heirs together with every other child that's already in that family. But then there's also that moment in every good story where where things are balanced on a knife's edge. There's that question, does my hero have what it takes? Is he strong enough to win against the odds that are against him? Well, the good news this morning is that our hero absolutely is strong enough. And in fact, he's already done it. 
He has already won the victory for us. The other passage about our hero in this, about this spiritual battle is actually in his own words. John twenty seventeen finds Jesus having been raised from the dead, talking to Mary. And Mary wants to hang on to him. But Jesus instead says, don't hold on to me because I've not yet ascended to the Father. But instead, go to my brothers and say to them, pay attention to that. This is the very first person sent on mission in the Gospels, post-resurrection, and it's this woman, Mary. Tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. My friends, pronouns matter. Jesus chose them very carefully here to say that he's done it. He has accomplished it. This mission that he was sent to fulfill to make us sons and daughters of a king, he's done it. He did it. And so Jesus can therefore say, I'm going to my God and your God, my father and your father. We are heirs together with the Christ. And that's some pretty good news. Now, those of us who've been blessed by adoption, we get this fact. And it's really easy for us to admit we're not the hero. When I wrote the glasses to ask about making the announcement of their safe return home with Deepa, Stacy wrote back and said, I would be happy to do whatever brings glory to God. There's a really good reason that people like Stacy get it. And that's number three. There is always more going on than we're aware of. If orphan care is spiritual warfare, and I really believe that it is, we need to be ready to acknowledge that there's going to be fighting on other fronts that we're completely unaware of at the time. Author John Eldridge wrote, and he said, during any important event, assume it's warfare. Now, in normal day-to-day living, hassles, accidents, setbacks, they might just simply be that and nothing more. Sometimes a flat tire is just a flat tire. But during any important event, you need to assume it's warfare and treat it as such. And by important event, I mean anything redemptive. Let's circle back in our minds to that Ephesians six twelve. Evil stands opposed to the will of God. God's will from before he created us is to welcome us into his family. Therefore, God most definitely includes his people echoing what he's already done vertically in their lives, accomplishing it horizontally through adoption and orphan care. It's not a game. Our God is always at work and the enemy is always at work and there's always things happening many of which we can't even notice until we start to look back on them with hindsight. Now, to illustrate this point today, I am privileged to get to interview Dan and Leanne Burgess. Uh, Dan is going to be, I'll take that one. Dan's going to be our connections minister starting on Monday, which means today he's a plain old volunteer that got roped into doing something. Um, It also actually occurred to me, in first service I commented how he's actually just an ex-unemployed minister today. (laughs) Um, Something else occurred to me, you guys are actually visitors. Yeah, Yeah, and so I have a connection card for you here. Um, I'll talk to you more about what Landmark 101 is, but it's really easy to sign up for, just here on the back, so you can look forward to it. Thanks. Take that there. Yes, we uh, took a guest parking spot this morning. We were running a little bit behind, so that works out well. That's your one and only. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, um, Dan and Leanne's picture uh, with their family is up there. It's Dan and Leanne with Ava, Sam, Finn, and Nora. And, uh, and just beginning here, Dan, I'd like to ask you, describe briefly for us how God brought your family together. Okay, so, uh, well, our family, I guess, officially started in 2003 when Leanne and I got married. And um, we lived away from our hometown of Florence for, for a few years. And then in uh, 2006, we were able to 
um, moved back to start our family, and that's when we were um, blessed with our, our uh, oldest, our firstborn, Ava. She was born in 2007, and then just another wonderful blessing, a, a little miracle of, of her own in some ways. Uh, Sam, born in 2009, and then uh, incredible blessing of uh, our daughter, Nora, being adopted in 2012. And then that took us to, um, to 2015. We were able to add Finn. So we went from family of two in 2003 uh, over the next 13 years to 2015, uh, becoming a family of six. Yeah, church growth the old-fashioned way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Well, if you would, Leanne, tell us a little bit more about how God moved in your life specifically to bring you guys to the point where you were, you were ready to welcome Finn into your family. Okay. So God um, started a work in my heart at a time where I wasn't really looking for God to do work in my heart. Um, We had three, like Dan said, three little girls at home. I was not planning to add a fourth at that time, but I had started reading a book called Kisses from Katie. And through that book, God literally just broke my heart for the plight of the orphan. And it was it was like I was grieving their circumstances. I was grieving their hopelessness. And I, um, I just referred to it as like a holy burden that I felt like God had given me. And it was something I couldn't turn off or, or push away and, and deal with later. It was something that felt like I needed to check into this and see what that might look like for us. And so I started researching um, some about international adoption, looking at different agencies, And really just looking at the process, like what it looked like, how much money it would cost, how long it would take. And then God kind of shifted my attention away from those details and showed me um, some photo listings of some waiting kids that different agencies had online. And so I scrolled through hundreds of pictures of children and spent a lot of time looking and praying and just wondering what God was doing. And um, then I came across a picture of a little boy now known as Finn, and um, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Like every day after work, I would come home and I would look at it again. Um, and so I decided to reach out to his agency and just see if I could get more information. And, and all through this time, you were, of course, doing this with Dan right by your side. No. At the, this, <laughs> I decided to bring Dan into the journey after I received Finn's file. <laughs> wondering what this uh, stack of papers so, was. No, so, I yeah. reached out to the social worker and she kind of told me what I needed to do to, and she sent me what little information she had and then that's when I shared with Dan kind of what God was doing um, with me at the time and so he jumped on board. And um, But the social worker told me, you know, you've got a couple of weeks, we'll put his file on hold and we won't allow any other family to come in and, and adopt him and you can just say yes, no, or Maybe we need more time to think about it. So um, during that two-week period, I never felt a strong no, and I never felt a strong yes. And it was nearing the end of the two weeks, and I just didn't know what to do. And so um, at the time, I was working as a home health nurse. And when I received Finn's file, I knew a few bits of information, but the two things that stood out to me that were scary or that he had Down syndrome, and that he was nonverbal. And so I was really panicked a little bit about that. I didn't know how to handle that. And, um, and so that was heavy on my heart. But towards the end of the two-week period, I, had, I was working as a home health nurse, and I had seen my patients for the day, and I had gone home. 
and I received a call from my supervisor, and she asked me to meet another nurse in training out at a patient's home to see um, to help train her on how to do some wound care on this patient's feet and legs. And so I go to the house, and I knock on the door, and this young man answers the door and kind of leads me back to where his mom is. And this young man wasn't speaking to me. He was just kind of guiding me, showing me the way, making some sounds. And as I talked with his mom a little bit, she told me that he was nonverbal, that he had never been able to talk. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Let me kind of pry a little bit and see what that might be like raising a child that um, is nonverbal. So... I told her, uh, or I asked her what it was like, and she said, oh, we um, adopted him. He actually has Down syndrome, and um, we adopted him when his parents had passed away, and they brought him into their family. And I was just completely shocked. Like, I didn't know what to say. I mean, there were the things that I was concerned about, the Down syndrome and the nonverbal, and um And so I'm sitting in her floor, washing her feet, washing her legs, you know, at the time when she's telling me this. And I I just told her why I was asking. I told her what God had put on my heart. And and she looked right at me, and she said, I'll never forget her words. She said, honey, you don't have anything to be afraid of. All of my kids have had challenges, but um, they've all grown up. And they all have their own families. And she said, and he's still here with me. He has his challenges, but they're no harder than any of the other kids. And um, so I'm crying. And I look up, and the nurse that I'm there to train is like, what is happening? Um, I'm hugging the lady, you know, saying thank you. You never know how God used you today. And so when I left the visit, I got in the car, and I called Dan. And I said, okay, God just told me what to do. We're supposed to go to China. And and get him. He's our son. And so that set, that opened up the door to that 18-month journey. So we brought him home 18 months later. I'm so glad you put in that overtime to to go. (laughs) That was was great. Dan, were there any other times that you saw, looking back now, that you see God doing some things that you were unaware of at the time? Yeah, so thinking about that process and, and when we had that confirmation that Finn was our son. It became very hard. We were matched with him very early, uh, as Leanne mentioned, 18 months. And there were times of um, discouragement and doubt and fear. We had that strong affirmation from God, and we were thankful for that at a time where we were not looking for adoption in our lives, but God delivered that. But not everyone understood that. So there were, there were a lot of questions. Are, are you sure? Have you thought about this? And um, <laughs> You know, for and a second, had you're you, like, had you thought about yeah, it? yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> for a moment, you're like, oh, yeah, I did, okay, yeah, I did, I did think about this, but there, there was some discouragement with um, maybe some, some misunderstanding or, or just not knowing, not, not understanding that process and that journey, and looking back, just the confirmations that we had along the way, that day, just this lady who Leanne had never met, just looking her in her eyes and saying, honey, you don't have anything to fear, anything to worry about, was just God speaking through a, a vessel, his hands and feet, and just someone being salt and light in our journey, and uh, probably will never fully understand the impact she had on, on Leanne's heart, what she needed. And when she called me that day, just weeping, driving down the road, not very safe, by the way, it'd probably been good to pull over, uh, but just saying, we're, we're going, we're go- he's ours, that is our son, and God just continued to say, he is your son. 
He is your son. As we saw just a few pictures that we got, um, a very brief video over 18 months, uh, just the way that God continued to, to confirm that is just, it's such a blessing. And we, we see that now, but when we were walking through it, um, it was a, a difficult season, it had its challenges, and there were some storms along the way, but, but God absolutely just, just saw us through. Mm. Well, thank you guys. Let's, let's praise God for the way the heroes sh- showed up in their story. Thanks, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really glad that here at Landmark, we get, to, we get to fold their story in with the narrative that God is accomplishing here at Landmark. I'm, I'm really excited about the years to come, and I'm glad your family's here. All right, right now we've come to the first of two periods of response this morning. First one's going to happen right now. Your church leadership has decided that agape of central Alabama matters. God's heart for the orphan is clear, and we believe that agape reflects that heart. Through their maternity care, through their fostering efforts, and their facilitating adoptions, Agape is able to empower and engage and equip the people of God to to get up and to be involved in the spiritual battle that is orphan care. As an organization, they're agile enough to, to, to focus on things like best practices and permanency for children and on good outcomes. They're also able to provide a voice for children that probably would never have a voice otherwise as well as families that might not get a voice otherwise. Birth families, foster families, adoptive families. We believe in agape enough to put our money where our mouth is as a church. We as a church partner with agape throughout the year in a lot of different ways, including financially, but every year we have this singular moment where we're going to receive a special offering for them. So right now the men are going to pass the baskets to receive our offering. Everything that you give today over our regular Sunday budget is going to go straight toward Agape. Now our goal in this is to clear the budget, to just blow the roof off of it by $15,000. That's our goal, is to be able to hand Agape $15,000 today. Now honestly, we didn't hit it last year. That was our goal last year and we missed it. So this year we're asking you to do more. We're asking you to give above what you would normally give on a second Sunday of the month. Particularly to those of you who give once a month, please consider giving today as well. So go ahead and make your, make your checks out to Landmark like usual. Use the normal text-giving number or put cash into the basket. But we're asking you to go beyond what you normally would give to Landmark because this is a special day. And God has called us into a special partnership with Agape to be in the background as they care for these children that God cares so much about. So right now I'm going to ask the Lord's blessing on this offering. And then the men are going to pass those baskets. So let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you have entrusted the care of your children to us. Uh, That that is an incredible privilege. And Father, we thank you that we as Landmark, as a family, have the gift, the honor of getting to partner with, with an organization like Agape. So Father, right now, I am asking that through the Holy Spirit that indwells every one of us who's been baptized into Christ, that your Holy Spirit would motivate us to give generously to give beyond what we normally do to stretch ourselves so that we can partner more fully with agape through this so father act in our hearts shape us into more christ-like generous people and help us to give well today because you love well and we're really glad to be a part of your family we pray these things through jesus the christ amen
Thank you for giving, church. We're now going to wrap up with our second period of response. In the light of everything that you have seen and heard today, what should you do? Well, the first thing I'd say to you is to get up and get involved. Your church partners with two organizations that provide care for vulnerable children. The first is Agape. They, they need your funding, yes, and, and I'm grateful to you for giving today. But they also count on foster parents and on volunteers to get done the things that God has called them to. I hope that those of you who are in the combined class that we had earlier were, were both challenged and excited about the opportunities that exist there at Agape. We also as a church have a formal relationship with Tendere Village. It's an orphanage outside the capital of Malawi. We're, pre- we're in for this pretty big as well. More than 10% of our annual missions budget goes toward providing the salaries for the people that take care of the kids at this orphanage. But beyond giving on Mission Sunday, there's so many more ways that you can serve. Both of these organizations have tables set up in the lobby outside. So when we dismiss here in a moment, head that direction. Don't just head to your car. Find out a way you can be involved in one of these two things that your shepherds have decided it is good for us to be partnering with. Secondly, I want to encourage you to pray about fostering and adopting. I do not want you to leave this morning thinking that we're talking about somebody else without checking with God first. Uh, Finn would likely never have come into their family had Leanne thought to herself, God's talking to somebody else. So please take a moment and pray about fostering, pray about adopting and see if that's for your family. See if this family God's blessed you with can be used to welcome someone in. And if you hear a no the now, then, then find out ways to bless those who've heard a yes. Pray for them, intercede for them on your knees, but don't stop there. Once you've prayed for them, then look for other ways to bless them. Offer to pay for date nights, offer childcare, offer hand-me-downs, offer the good stuff. Pay, pay, for, pay for not hand-me-downs, but brand new stuff. Be Jesus to those who are being Jesus to children who are hurting. And finally, I want to talk to you who have not yet been adopted. I want to ask you to consider being adopted today. When I first started working on this sermon, I was going to lead with the line that we're taking a break from what we normally do. But over time, I became convicted of the fact that this isn't a break from what we normally do. The proclamation that God cares for orphans and that God wants to adopt each of us is an important part of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he has been planning your adoption into the family from before he created the world. And if there's room in the gospel for the redemption of orphans into homes and permanent situations, then there is certainly room in it for you too today. I remember very well the welcome home party that we had when we brought Elijah into our lives. It's one of my favorite parties of all time. But I guarantee you, it pales in comparison to the party that God has been preparing in the heavenly places from before time began for your coming home day. And so I want to ask you, come home to God. Let God in Christ adopt you into his family. Confess your belief in Jesus, the advocate. Accept your adoption and leave behind forever your identity as a spiritual orphan and instead come and embrace a good, good father. Let's stand and worship.